The following content is sponsored in partnership with Haymarket Media US. It's the PR Week Podcast in partnership with Cision on today's episode. The other piece of advice is don't commit to a long contract with any AI providers right now because we're, we're going to see, one, a bloodbath, and two, we're going to see some really exciting stuff come out next six months for you. Here's your host, Gideon Fiddleseye. AI will play a huge role in the evolution of communications. Now, there's an understatement. With that statement, though, come a lot of questions, including this one that I know is on all of your minds out there. Where do PR pros fit into all of this? The good news, they will fit in quite prominently, probably more than ever before. But how so? That's another great question. And this podcast will have some of those answers. Or to be more specific, my guest today will have some of those answers for you. It's my pleasure to introduce Anthony Cousins, Executive Director of AI Strategy at Cision. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. He, He told me specifically, Anthony is just for his parents. I said I would only do it once. But Ant will lend his vast expertise to discuss the tasks AI will help PR pros do better, the tasks AI will allow PR pros to focus on more, stuff like ethics, risks, rewards, and so much more. Lots of questions and topics to tackle today, so let's get right to it. And I'm going to start with a pretty broad question, but a good one to sort of set the stage for our conversation today. So Ant, how do you think the role of PR is going to evolve as AI develops? Well, it, let me start off on a positive one, right? Which is which is good. Um, so, because I think this, <laughs> this is broadly positive, and I, I want to start off by saying that um, there is a lot of fear out there about AI, and I think a lot of that is caused by some of those cultural norms we got we got exposed to. Certainly, you're my generation, right? Got exposed to Terminator and HAL, and it kind of created some of those kind of associations, right? <laughs> um, which I think kids coming through schools these days don't have so much um, of, which is which is good. Um, so, I think that fear aside. There's a whole bunch of real positives coming from from the use of AI. If we forget all those kind of like uh, restrictions and burdens that come with that association of fear, and that is, I think, if you think about the last kind of feels like ten years or more, we've been saying to everyone, hire more data people, right? Get more data literate, and we've been trying to force that skill set into the PR kind of uh, kind of table of skills that we all want to have. Um, despite those those things like data organization, data literacy, and data visualization not not really being often associated with the kind of people skills and relationship building skills um, and communication skills that you need for sure to be to be successful in PR. So I think out of the bat, what I would like to say and give everyone a bit more reassurance is you don't necessarily need to hire so many data people, right? Don't fret about that because that is primarily one of the benefits we're going to see from the greater use of AI in our space, which is data organization, trend analysis, and those kind of insights and that kind of data-focused kind of area of tasks. A lot of that is going to get automated, which necessarily is going to cause people, the people in this in this um, part of the industry, the public relations professionals, to be more focused on public relations. So I think that, I want to say off the bat, is going to be a really good positive thing. And that is you know, what gets us up in, in the morning, right? I, I also want to say, say that for those of us working in AI, the thing that excites us, the thing that motivates us and gets us out of the bed in the morning is not the idea we're going to put a whole bunch of people out of work, right? That isn't an exciting thing to, to motivate yourself for. But enabling people to focus more on human tasks or more fulfilling tasks and more satisfying tasks, that's something that motivates us. So to reassure everyone, we're not out there trying to make people out of work. We're out there trying to enable people to do more of the tasks that they enjoy and more of the tasks that require a human to focus on. Right? So that is, you're absolutely right, it's, 
empathy, it's relationship building, it's emotional understanding and awareness, um, and it's strategy and understanding what is the problem we're actually trying to solve. And I think that is where PR can really come in because often like you find right PR is the the emotional and the ethical backbone of the organization like judge that internal challenge function judging the organization on its decisions and saying that isn't going to play well externally right that that role of the PR is going to get even stronger regardless of the application of AI because someone still needs to tell the AI what to do so I think in general I want to start off that positive note that that you're absolutely right PR people are going to have an increased role um, but that role is going to be more strategic, more decision-making, more influential, and less organizing data. I've asked a lot of people that question. That was one of the best answers to really, really assuage people's concerns. That was very good. The only thing about your comments that I might, this is not a differ with, is that um, I always think about iRobot. I don't know, for some reason, that's the movie I think about when I think about AI. And, you know, I try not to think about Will Smith that much, but that's the movie I think about. But other than that, that was fantastic. So wonderful start to this conversation. I appreciate that. Now I want to get a little bit more specific. So what tasks could be taken up by AI now and in the near future? Tasks that will require human involvement? Because you know what? There's What you said before was absolutely true, how it's AI is really going to open open human PR pros up to do the things that they really love to do. But there's even things that AI can do that will still require some sort of a human oversight to have the maximum impact. So I'd like to talk a little bit about some of those specific tasks. So, and please. Sure. So if you, um, and this is my own kind of mental model, right, of how I break down uh, any sort of communications flow from setting, or rather in comms, you get given, like, here's the business outcomes we want to achieve. Or in some cases, you're feeding back, right, here's some things we think we can achieve through comms. Right, so the very first ask, what is, what is it we're actually trying to achieve? And from there into audience analysis, if this is what I'm trying to achieve, how am I impacting this audience and who are those relevant stakeholders I need to kind of be analyzing? And from that to, okay, let's create some content to make sure I'm hitting those points with those audiences. From there to planning and distribution, getting out to the right outlets, and from there to analysis, right? Insights, how did I do? And how can I improve it next time around? If you break it down to those chunks, right? which is kind of how I, how I look at the world. You can probably argue about how I've broken it up, but it kind of covers most of the stuff. Um, each of those aspects, to a greater or lesser degree, can now already be automated by AI, given the AI we currently have right now today, right? as of actually about November last year, right? with ChatGPT kind of blowing the mold on that. So from setting the um, strategy, that is more human than AI right now. Um, and that will remain more human than AI in the near future because AI is still passive right now. It's still sat there waiting for you to direct it to conduct some activity. So until we start joining AIs together in systems approaches, I think we've still got that limitation. Therefore, the human is still overtly required to set the direction. But then going to audience analysis. Um, so ana analyzing the audiences, identifying the audiences understanding their motivations, understanding their interests, understanding their concerns. A lot of that, if we're honest, especially if you've done this for, for many years, is sort of like basic. Um, you know your audiences and you kind of go through the motions of doing that, right? And I think that's part of the risk or part of the benefit of AI is where you're doing repetitive tasks, there is a, a risk, right, that you'd kind of do it the way you've always done it. And you kind of make those assumptions because you haven't gone back to basics and you've not started with a blank sheet of paper. You've just kind of used your own biases and, and um, prejudice, prejudices against some of those audiences to develop their interests and concerns. Um, AI, in some ways, 
I think might be better at doing basic audio analysis now than a human would be. That's not to say as a human, you don't absolutely need to oversee and look at the results of that audience analysis. Um, but I think it gives you that really interesting challenge function to challenge your own assumptions. Content creation, and this is the thing that really kind of everyone got super excited about. Yes, you know, the, the LLMs out there are, create, are capable of creating text. Is it great text? Not always. Does it get you started? For sure. So I think in that case, again, AI can do the 80%, but you absolutely need a human to oversee that, to check for accuracy, for check for bias, and for that kind of intuition and experience point. Distribution, like identifying journalists and outlets, almost certainly that is something an AI would be better at than a human right now, because all that is, is looking at, you know, swathes of data, basic analysis. Okay, what's this journalist write about? Who is the audience of this outlet, right? Almost certainly as a human, you might make a better decision on an individual outlet, but you can't do that for a thousand outlets. So that's something where I see AI taking more of a role and less of a human role. Um, and then analysis and insights, almost certainly that's something that I think an AI can do better at the basic level, again, because it's about huge quantities of data, right? If you've got 10,000, 100,000, millions of mentions in a, in a topic or a query you're trying to analyze, you don't have a chance of getting through that in a way that an AI could. So that, again, I think is going to be more AI than human. And that is the case right now. We're already automating lots of that. However, understanding the story you want to tell to your client, to your boss, to your organization, to your stakeholders, understanding that story and how it needs to be configured to make your points, that is still human. So whilst the AI might be doing the bulk of the work in the basic analysis, the storytelling, the structure of that is more human. But the point I'm making is that we have these like changeable thresholds of the quality of the AI right now versus the AI in six months, a year or two years. And we have these changing thresholds in the value of a human in those tasks. So this is a fluid set of concepts as you look at each of those areas of our, of our daily business, which I think are going to change over time. But the direction of travel is all towards the human setting more direction in each of those areas and less doing the actual work. Well, that was really terrific, Anthony. You know, when I think about that, I sort of think that PR pros who are fearful of AI really need to have a little more confidence in their ability to do their jobs well. Because if they're good at what they do, AI is nothing to fear. AI is only going to make them better at it, actually. It's going to give them better, it's going to give them a better starting point from which to actually come up with those incredibly creative ideas and those incredibly engaging stories. So yeah, thank you very much for that. And obviously, there's a lot of concerns that come up when PR pros think about AI. And I'm not even talking about what it's going to do to their jobs, even though I think we've pretty much I think we've done a pretty decent job of, of quashing any of those concerns. But one concern that is emerging from PR's use of AI is how things AI produces, particularly from the content side, will be viewed. Um, do you feel there's a need to be concerned or at least cognizant of that content produced by AI could be deemed lesser in any way? Or is really, or is the outcome really the only thing that matters? Um, so hands up, you know, hands up, biases aside, right? My job title is AI strategy and I've been working in AI for 10 years. So I might have a bias in favor of AI. Um, but what I will say is my view on this is no, the, the content you create using AI, right? If you use AI to generate some text, for example, um, that's not a problem in, in, in any situation really where you're creating content using your own knowledge and experience. If you're a press officer and you're creating a press release, is there a problem with using AI to generate a press release? No. Um, the challenge comes when you're using AI to create content or knowledge in a situation 
where people had expected you not to, right? So using uh, AI to generate text, not a problem. Even using AI to improve text you've already written, just as a challenge function. Hey, read this text I've written. Because those are things you would otherwise use colleagues for, right? That's not a problem. The only challenge is when you yourself are using AI-generated text to represent knowledge and experience you don't have in a situation where that is wrong. So, for example, if you're responding to a journalist like media request, just creating an answer on ChatGPT and pasting it into the response, right, is presenting yourself fraudulently, right? And that is an existing concept, an existing um, kind of uh, illegality in some situations. So I don't, I don't think the tool itself changes anything. We've got to use those existing frameworks of what is deemed acceptable and not. The fact you've used you know, AI to speed up a process of creating text you would have pro- kind of produced otherwise. No, that's not wrong, in my opinion. Very much appreciate that. And, and um, you know what? I, the reason I wanted you on this podcast is specifically because of who you are and what you do. I mean, I think it's very important for communicators to hear from you know, a person who's you know, a dyed-in-the-wool AI person, if there is such a thing as a dyed-in-the-wool AI person. But, um, but no, so I really... <laughs> I've, been wait- I've been waiting 10 years for, for the year of AI, right? Every year was like, this is going to be the year. This is going to be the year. <laughs> now it's finally here. Yeah, it's, it's finally here. And I have a funny feeling you have a few more years of it um, before... No, actually, it's probably forever. I mean, I, I just... You know what? AI is all around us. We've been using it forever. Um, you know, and, you know, by the way, this is an opportunity. And I don't think either one of us has quite used the word generative yet today, but clearly that's what we're talking about. AI has obviously existed for a while. If any of you have Siri or Alexa or, and it could give a million different ideas, you've been using AI. Um, but, you know, this is obviously a little bit different. And obviously that's just part of the evolution of this conversation. But I kind of want to stick with this um, sort of risks, concerns theme. And um, we already obviously talked about it a little bit more, but off the top of your head, what are some of the other risks about AI content or just AI reliance by PR pros that you know communicators and their brands should really be thinking about? And maybe you have a couple of ideas about things that are not so obvious that people might not be very aware of, but maybe should be. Yeah, so um, you're absolutely right. And I, all, with all the kind of AI jazz hands aside, um, there are some real risks to AI, which we need to be cognizant of. Um, so if you're in PR and using, and we're talking about generative AI, right, creating text, you know, for example, um, if you're using generative AI to create text on subjects you're not that knowledgeable on, then there's the absolute risk of the um, of inaccuracies in that content because we know it still hallucinates. We're getting better at managing the hallucination problem. But you absolutely need to take responsibility and ownership of any content you produce in the same way you do now, right? Whether it's a colleague that produced it, whether you produced it, you have to own the content you send out into the world. And that doesn't change with AI. The only thing that changes is the risk that because you're not as familiar with the content, you may not spot those errors. Um, and you could be introducing um, disinformation or misinformation into the world. So absolutely, there is that risk. And there's obviously the, the common risk if, you, if, if ChatGPT is your generative text provider of choice, the risk that obviously has its knowledge cutoff day of September 21. Um, so knowledge of events past that are problematic. It does invent things. Um, the other risk, which maybe is less thought about, is the LLMs haven't changed the fundamental risks or issues with AI, the risk of bias and discrimination. Because right? it's still based on data that's out in the world, and we can't rely necessarily 
on that model having been trained to deal with any particular kind of bias you might not thinking about before. So um, the absolute the guardrails we have to have in place um, at the provider is, is one set of guardrails, but you have to introduce the other set of guardrails, which is thinking, using your experience and considering a broader set of stakeholders. Is this content we're putting out into the world based on some analysis from this large language model um, containing biases or discriminations that we haven't counted for? And that we're going to be causing, you know, increased division. We don't need any more of that in our society. So um, absolutely, you've got to keep an eye on those basics. Don't assume that because this AI is so much more advanced that we've got rid of those basic issues. Um, absolutely keep on cop on top of that. And it's actually the subject of, so with another hat, not my decision hat, but with the Association for the Measurement and Evaluation of Communications, AMEC, um, I am the chair of the Tech Hub there. Um, and our first initiative um, is, is taking over the chair of the organization um, is to focus on creating the guidelines and the principles for the application of AI in PR. And I want to do that. And this isn't a decision thing. This is an industry-wide thing. We need to come up with, as we've kind of internally coined, the, the Barcelona principles of AI to help PR professionals think about those risks because this is, in some ways, complicated stuff. And it's not easy to know that you're accounting all the risks and mitigating all those in all the different ways you could be using AI, which have now exploded, right? The ways in which you can apply AI is you know, not just generating text, but analyzing, condensing, summarizing, extracting, all those keywords we're now getting used to using in our prompts, right? Um, all that's exploded. So to help people think through those risks and those issues, we've got to get some industry-wide kind of guidelines on that. So this isn't necessarily a decision thing or a me thing. This is let's all come together and figure that out. And that, that's an ongoing conversation. I don't think anybody has all the answers to that right now, which is scary, but also exciting, <laughs> depending on your point of view. No, absolutely. And, you know, actually, your role at Amic makes you an even more perfect person to talk about this. I, I'm, I have to admit, I wasn't even aware of that connection that you had with Amic. So that's really, really interesting to know. Um, and by the way, we haven't even talked about, you know, what AI can help you do in terms of visuals videos, things like that. I mean, that's, don't worry, guys, that's a whole other podcast. Don't worry about it. But I mean, there's so much that can go on there. But no, really, really fascinating stuff. Um, you know what, even if we haven't used the word yet, obviously, we've touched also a little bit about ethical concerns when it comes to the use of AI. I really, really think I wouldn't mind just spending a, a couple minutes, a minute or a couple minutes just giving you the floor to talk a little bit about, you know, you know, again, the ethical concerns that people, PR pros need to think about when they're going to use AI and really start relying on it a lot more, which is frankly inevitable. So what are some of those ethical concerns that uh, our audience really needs to be mindful of? So, yeah, this, this impacts on PR teams as well as comms teams in so many different ways. We've already touched on the, the use of AI to generate text, which introduces ethical concerns around bias and discrimination. But there's also, like, this is something that isn't spoken about that much, um, and it's a broader role for PR. But in PR, we, are, we use many different kind of supporting providers, right? We use videographers, we use photographers, um, we use creative industries, and we kind of exploit the products of those industries to, to further the causes of our brands. But um, the challenge we've got with AI is that if it becomes capable of producing, let's say, 80 odd percent of like those basic tasks that all those creative folks do for us right now, then we have a real risk that we are wiping out the creative industries because we've automated 80% of that work, in which case we're gonna have 80% fewer of those creatives. So there's, it's, not, it's not kind of down to the individual models, but if we think about the role PR plays in supporting those creative industries, we do have, I think, sort of an ethical responsibility to protect and ensure the engagement of humans in our supporting kind of processes. Right. Let's if we have a decision to take and a role to take in that, 
Um, and that's something I wanted to say because I don't think it's spoken about that much. But I think two, three years down the line, if we've all just slept, walked into using AI and generative AI for our images and our videos, we're all of a sudden going to find ourselves with a lot less humans surrounding us with human decision making and human intuition in those supporting creative processes. That's when I don't find talks about that much. I'm, I'm glad you asked me just to talk generally about the projects. I, I get the opportunity to make those kind of points. You know what? It's really interesting. You said that. Um, you're right. That isn't talked about a lot, but PR pros have often, are still, but maybe not as much as they used to be, so concerned about what AI is going to do to their jobs. It is so interesting that you mentioned, you know what, this could do something to the jobs of the people that you work with. Um, not in your offices, by the way, which is really, really fascinating. So, um, well, you're really good at this, Anne. I, sh I should have you on more podcasts. Uh, <laughs> but, okay, but well, let's get through this one first. Um, you know, by the way, um, I actually do want to ask you this question because it's one I like, even if it wasn't planned for, it's one that I like to ask experts such as yourself. ChatGBT, everyone knows about ChatGBT. I mean, I mean that's 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 not a new tool. Um, obviously, there's other ones that are a little bit more popular. People know about Dali. People know about Midjourney, I guess, pretty well. Um, you know, I'm obviously my mind's drawing blanks now, but I'm sure there's other ones. Microsoft Bing, I suppose. What are some like under the radar AI tools that a lot of our audience might not know about that you think they should know about that might be really really useful that you think are quite good? Interesting. This is a real challenge. I need an AI app to tell me about the AI app. Um, <laughs> and so this is challenging, right? Because we're in a situation right now where, where ChatGPT is rolled out and it has relatively low cost for doing a lot of the work you would otherwise have to have manually coded, right? So the speed to market for new products and services is ex exceptionally fast right now, right? I would have loved to have been in startups like 10 years ago playing with this kind of technology. The challenge is that what we're finding is a lot of people are just kind of slapping a user interface basically on top of ChatGPT. So they're giving you an interesting, useful workflow, but the results are effectively by ChatGPT, which is causing real issues with the, again, the breadth and the bias and the, because it's all basically depending on one, one single tool. Um, so I think the tools out there I'm particularly interested in right now are the ones that compare AI tools. Um, so um, I'm going to I struggle to remember the names of now because I'm literally in the process of reviewing like half a dozen of these right now. Um, they're effectively the tools that allow you to compare AI tools. And of course, they're driven by AI. So those are really interesting to me because there are so many new tools coming out right now. I think there will be a little bit of a bloodbath probably in six months to a year when the, the angels and the, the VCs start to get a bit more wise to which firms, and this is this comes down to kind of the true value of AI products, which firms have access to unique, valuable, good quality training data. Because if you've got that, you've got a, a potential future. If all you're doing is relying on ChatGPT, you have no real differentiation, no real IP. So I think that's the interesting thing is if you're looking for tools right now, this is kind of we drifted more into generic advice on picking AI tools, but find providers who obviously clearly have access to that kind of data because the ones that don't, I don't think will be around for very long. No. I, so that, that's the advice I'd, I'd give if you're looking at AI tools, find the AI tools provider. I think futuretools.io is one that's out there, which is really good. Um, I think um, there was a really good review done by uh, Wads. Uh, so if you're following Wads on um, uh, on LinkedIn is a really good source of general kind of, especially he's moved into more of an academic um, kind of phase of his life, I think. And uh, mm -hmm. he's done some really interesting work on comparing AI tools. There was like 6,000 out there. There is far too many. Um, but we're also, and this is kind of looking into the future slightly, the tools that are out there right now, we're starting only to see the cusp of their capabilities. 
Ethereum takes you know, six months, maybe to a year, even for a fast kind of go-to-market to truly exploit the value of the large language models. And we talked about the capability of those models to generate text. What we didn't talk about is the capability of those models to act like humans, right? To follow best practices and principles in that kind of moving from co-pilot to autopilot, right? The, um, so the, the co-founder of DeepMind, Stuffa Suleiman, he talked about this kind of moving into the era of interactive AI. It's those tools, which I suspect are going to start hitting the shelves in like six months to a year from now. That's where we're going to start to see some real leaps and bounds. So I guess the other piece of advice is don't commit to a long contract with any AI providers <laughs> right now, because we're, we're going to see one, a bloodbath. And two, we're going to see some really exciting stuff come out in the next six months to a year once people start really exploiting the full capability of those large language models. Um, you guys out there are getting a lot, even more advice than I thought you were going to get from me. So this is no, this is really good because you know what? These are things PR pros have to think about. It's that simple. So I'm very, very glad this conversation is going in this direction. Now, actually, what I really, really want to do is kind of bring this full circle with the last topic we're going to talk about today. Okay, AI is here to stay. Said it a few times already today. We all know that. It's not a matter of if, but how much will PR be using AI as part of its normal process? So if we accept those statements to be true, and I think we all do, what do you think the typical comms team is going to look like, say, five years from now? The makeup of that team, the way those teams work, all those kinds of things. I don't want to, I don't want to be too prescriptive about it. I just want to know what Ann Cousins thinks comms team is going to look like. And by the way, I chose five years from now. Hell, I could choose five months from now, but I don't want to get too scary. Five years from now might be a good way. So, Ant, the floor is yours. So that's interesting. Five years from now, right? So five years from now, the people who are graduating university right now are going to be kind of their mid-level kind of like maybe junior account managers, maybe they've you know, accelerated. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys coming out of university right now are going to be AI natives, right? They've been using AI since like before they even started their university years, right? They've been using it for every single homework assignment they've ever been given. <laughs> um, so I think that does some really interesting things. Um, so I suspect that one, they're going to be really, really good at exploiting generative AI. So it's going to be natural for them. They've been doing it that whole time. And their relationship with AI, to our to the point around how we started with our relationship with AI, theirs is going to be polar opposite, right? Positive. Right? It's to be the best study partner they ever had, right? Always available for them. Didn't steal any of the credits. Didn't teach them how to smoke, right? It's, it's there for them. And so their relationship is super, super positive. They're going to enter the workplace being, hey, why aren't we using this more? It could, have, it could have taught them how to smoke, though, if they'd wanted to, by the way. But anyway. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't tried that one in ChatGPT, but <laughs> yeah, you you're right. If you, you, you could probably jailbreak it to get it there. So, um, so those guys, are they're going to be, I guess, pushing, like even more accelerating the adoption of generative AI in those, um, in those environments. However, given like you and I were old enough, right, to have dealt with the blank page problem like 100 times, right? And that's kind of how we refined and, and created our, our creative skills is under pressure, blank page, you've got to achieve this with some magic words, right? And that's kind of how we've, we've developed that skill set. Um, I, I suspect that um, those guys coming out of university having not dealt with the blank page problem ever, right? We've got um, OpenAI is going to be integrated into the office suite by spring next year. Um, so no one after that is going to be dealing with a blank page problem because there'll be a template or it'll get you started on basically anything you sit down there to write. It's like, hey, I see you're writing this. Do you want me to generate the whole thing for you? Sure. And then you're just into the editing role, right? So they're going to come out with, I wonder if they're going to come out with the same level of creative uh, skills that people coming out of university would have come with previously. However, their editing skills will probably be in advance of what people have come out with previously. And so what I think that does, if they land in agencies, they land in those kind of comms roles, um, I think there's going to be 
uh, one, a potential increase in the need for those folks as those organizations see the benefit that each one of those people they hire comes armed with an army of generative AI interns. Effect, uh, although five years from now, they're not going to be intern quality, right? They're going to be mid-level, senior-level creative. So hire more of those guys, and you've got even more capacity. Um, but then the flip side of that is they may not have the creative skills. They may not have, and they will not have, the experience, the relationship building, the empathy that you and I and our generation would have built up over those years. So I see it's not the case that we can hire more young people and, and get rid of all the old, po- old, old folks who aren't as AI native, right? We still need to do that kind of pairing, that, um, that diversity of thought and experience is going to need to be there because ultimately – the kids coming through university may well have developed the ability to challenge and edit and, and iterate their prompts to get good quality output. But they're still not going to know what really good content looks like because they've not been in that situation before. Whereas you and I know the difference between good content and really good content, right? So that pairing, that kind of diversity of thought is still going to need to be there. But I think you might find if you're running those conversations, you might need to train for more creativity in those folks coming out. And you can't get rid of the old people because you still need that experience. You still need to know what good looks like. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting. But my one foot is you don't need to hire any data folks anymore. <laughs> that's, that's the one benefit. Um, I, I will I will not echo that statement because it doesn't behoove me to do so. Uh, but I hear <laughs> your point. Uh, what it does behoove me to do, though, is to thank you. And, and I will say this. No AI tool or robot or whatever would ever replace you. It may have the knowledge that you have at some point, won't have your personality, won't be able to deliver the message the way you do. And that's, by the way, yes, it's a compliment to Anne, of course, but it's also the truth about what PR pros do. I mean, you know what? Now, eventually, will AI be able to produce um, an almost human-like existence? Yeah, it's certainly, I wouldn't put it past it, but I don't think we're anywhere near that quite yet. But um, I really appreciate today's conversation because, you know, you, you definitely mentioned quite a few things that I think people really should be looking out for when it comes to AI that I haven't really thought about. And that was really the whole point of this. But again, overarching point, humans have a crucial role to play in all of this, and that is not changing. So I am going to steal a line that has been said a couple of times by other people smarter than me. But again, PR pros do not have to worry about AI taking their jobs. They have to worry about their jobs being taken by someone who knows how to utilize AI better than they do. That's the key. And the only other thing I'll say is that those young kids coming out of a university now in five years, I think they're going to be CEOs, actually. I'm not even sure they're going to. I think they're going to skip right through all that and just get right to running agencies because, you know, I think it's going to be really, really interesting how, how this impacts the profession and the discipline. But really appreciate this conversation. And thank you so much for taking time. I know you were very recently off a flight from Chicago and you have a young you have a young child at home that you have to deal with and lots of coffee. And boy, you did awfully well for someone with all of those obstacles. So I very much appreciate that. I also, of course, want to thank Cision for sponsoring this. Cision and PR, we have been partnering for about seven years now on our global comms report. And um, obviously we're going to be working, we're working on right now for 2024. That's going to be coming out in very, very early 2024. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about AI in that report as well. So that should be really, really interesting. Thanks once again to Ant Cousins, um, Executive Director of AI Strategy at Cision for joining us today. And of course, I want to thank Cision for sponsoring this. And I want to thank all of you out there for tuning in. I know that you are craving as much information about AI and its applications for PR as you can get. So I am pleased we were able to bring some of that to you today. Until next time, this is Gideon Fiddleside of PR Week, wishing you all a great rest of your day. 